uh, Carrie Jr. reporting for the Detroit Free Press at Detroit Renaissance High School JV football game. Go get him. Smack him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's go back to that game that I accompanied you at on Monday, um, Renaissance High School on the west side of Detroit. You know, people were cheering. They were, they were pretty happy to be back out playing sports. Who were they playing? Henry Ford, I think it was? Yeah, so it's Henry, Henry Ford, Ford football, okay. um, JV. Um, when we walked in there, there was, you know, from Monday after school, Monday evening, around 5 o'clock, there were quite a few parents. It was a beautiful evening, um, but there was, and, you know, it was like any great football game. Brought back a lot of memories. Get over there! Why were we there particularly? Why, why Renaissance? Uh, Renaissance High School just had a recent outbreak of cluster of cases, 11 confirmed COVID-19 cases in their football program in September, and that caused them to pause, have to cancel their games and practices for a couple weeks. Coach John Thompson, the head coach there, said it affected the whole program. It affected everybody. They had to shut down. All right, well, can you tell me a little bit about how this season is going so far? Uh, ups and downs, everybody going through it. So, you know, we played Gross Point South at the beginning of the season, first game, and then we had to sit two weeks out, uh, quarantine. So it's more or less just mental right now. Friday was their first varsity game. Um, Friday evening, they played Cast Tech. And then Monday, you and I went to the JV team. That was their first game back after the pause. High school sports have returned in Michigan. And with that comes close contact among young players, and as a result, a potential spread of COVID-19. Renaissance High School is just the most recent of schools in the state to report cases among its athletes. Back in February, a basketball game at Grand Ledge High School near Lansing was the source of the largest youth sports outbreak in the state from January to July 15th of this year. 67 cases spread across eight teams, a Palm Squad and a daycare. And additional cases at an Outback Steakhouse were even believed to be potentially related. Free Press data analyst Christy Tanner tracked down this outbreak and others to see how they happened. She joins us on the podcast today to discuss that, what it's meant for the teams and families, and what it means moving forward as sports seasons continue this fall. I'm Kerry Jr. the second, and this is On the Line. So I got started looking at this story because my editor wanted me to take a look at a, a network diagram of how COVID-19 spreads. That's Chrissy Tanner of the Free Press. It's not necessarily on sports, just about how an outbreak begins. I did run into a health department, Barry Eaton Health District. It's a local health department that did some pretty good contact tracing. They share with me an aggregate level kind of top line of a sports outbreak. It was a basketball game, a showdown between the Grand Ledge and Okamos boys basketball teams. And somebody had COVID-19. And that was about when B117, which is now called Alpha, the Alpha variant, was in Michigan. And that game, February 18th, was a starting point of a bunch of connected clusters of COVID-19 cases that went across eight basketball teams, a Palm Squad, and a daycare. They were able to confirm 67 um, COVID-19 cases. It was a very interesting, detailed kind of analysis. 
And that led her to another outbreak, one tied for third largest in the state. And then I started looking at other teams, which led me to the Portage Central High School girls basketball game. They had one of the third largest outbreaks so far this calendar year. This also took place in February, and there were 27 probable and confirmed cases reported. And this is 27 probable cases among the primaries. That means actually the members of the team, the girls varsity basketball team, uh, and there were 11 on the team at the time. And also the coaches, parents, immediate contacts. You had the opportunity to speak with Portage's principal and the head coach of that girls basketball team. Can you talk about what they said in terms of what happened around that time when the outbreak happened in February? Yeah, so the principal I got a hold of, Eric Albertus. My name is Eric Albertus, and I serve as a principal at Portage Central. And he kind of explained about how it was, wasn't really until they went through that basketball season that, that they realized really how serious this was. It was a really tough month for them. They really had to all hands on deck really respond. And I also talked to Rob Brown. Rob Brown, girls basketball coach. They kind of explained um, really how, how it unfolded and, and what happened uh, back in February of this year. So can you kind of give me an idea, like kind of retell what kind of the turn of events? We had just started really playing games, so we were only two weeks in. Um, things seemed to be going fine. I was uh, uh, happy with the way we were handling the situation. They had been practicing. I think he said they had their team together in November, December. They'd already been practicing, and they were two weeks into their season when this kind of hit late February. He explained that... You know, at the beginning of the season, they weren't sure they were going to play. They were masking. It was no contact practicing. And he kept telling the girls. And then he said, all of a sudden, they just got the approval to start having contact and playing. Good evening, Porter Central basketball fans. And welcome to the Porter Central Gymnasium. At this time, students were marrying mass. We are ready to go for varsity girls basketball action. Due to COVID-19 protocols, the game will start with a... Inbound, no tip this year. You know, despite that, despite their best efforts um, and cases were still transmitted. We had a, a game on Friday and Saturday. And after the Saturday game, um, went home. And my daughter is also on the team. And we had a game scheduled for Tuesday. That game, we found out, was canceled. Uh, I think it was on Monday because they didn't have enough kids. And it, it wasn't COVID-related, so I gave him a day off. So he decided he would just cancel practice on Monday. And then that Monday when he canceled practice, he said he went home, had a drink of ginger ale. And nothing. I couldn't taste it. So that's when I went, uh-oh. So he called the trainer, uh, the school trainer, because they had rapid tests for the wrestling program. They weren't required for basketball, but he explained they were required for wrestling. And so I had called our trainer and asked if we still had any and if I could get a test and also for for my daughter. And it, they both came up positive. And then he mentioned it kind of just kept dominoing after that. Oh, well, another player doesn't feel well either. She hasn't been feeling well since Saturday. And then another player. And... Um, from that point on, it was every day it was, oh, yep, I just tested positive. Oh, yep, I just tested positive. Um, and it, 
at the time it wasn't funny, but you look back and you go, oh my goodness, wow, how crazy. And it was one of those things that was like, when's this going to end? What day is this going to end? After the break, we hear more from the coach and principal at Portage. Then we talk about how an outbreak during the game can have potential impacts outside of it. I'm Alyssa Robinson for the Detroit Free Press. When you wake up every morning, what's the first thing you do? Check your email? Me too. And when you sign up for our daily briefing newsletter, you'll get all the latest news sent directly to your inbox so you can wake up and be ready for the day. We also have newsletters about COVID-19 in Michigan, the latest entertainment headlines, as well as Woodward 248, a newsletter specifically for people living and working in Southeast Oakland County. And don't forget about automotive headlines and all the latest news from our Michigan sports teams. We have a newsletter for every personality and preference. Just head to freep.com forward slash newsletters to sign up for any one of these great options and more. We're back and Freep data analyst Christy Tanner is talking with Portage High School's girls basketball coach and principal about the COVID outbreak from earlier this year. Okay, so then this is for Eric then. What do you think about your policies this year for school sports? Are you worried? Are you not worried? Oh, I'm, I, it is my nature to be worried. Um, I mean, even in the best of times, I have an anxiety streak to, with me that my colleagues have to deal with um, more than they should have to. Um, um, and, and the answer is yes. Um, um, I mean, like I said, I, we have some things to, be, to feel good about. Um, parents have been responsive in terms of when they, they feel like they have symptoms. The folks at our county health department, they are the best. Over the last year and a half, we have we have had to be so malleable. We have had to make decisions on a dime, and that is not our comfort zone. But it's what we had to do to respond to what's going on. So, am I nervous? Yes. Um, do I think we will end up making changes as the school year goes by? How can we not make changes? I just don't even know what those those changes will be right now. And so, what are the protocols or policies regarding COVID nineteen and sports in Michigan? Well, that's a good question. Um, so depending on which school district you live in or what team you're participating on, those rules are going to be different. Every district we go to and every coach we talk to, we, we find out about different policies. So at Detroit Community Public School District, they have a required testing program for all the athletes, uh, staff, and coaches. But the kids that go to school there, they can opt in. It's optional. The non-athletes, that is. For the students that, that go to school there on a daily basis. Currently, they're not doing any testing at Portage Central High School for sports and mass aren't required. So it is a very local difference right now. The reason why I thought this story was timely right now is for a few reasons. A, case rates are climbing across all age groups, but just as of last week, the under 20-year-old age group, those rates, COVID-19 case rates are climbing the fastest. And the, the young people... 10 to 19-year-olds have the highest case rate um, per capita and also the highest number of daily cases per report last week. So case rates are going up. They're growing among young people, obviously. Even though there's a vaccine for 12 and over, um, our, you know we don't have a majority of, of folks 12 and over vaccinated yet. So even though that vaccine's out there for the older kids, we're not at a majority yet. And also this Delta variant is very different, right? It's more transmissible than what we saw in Alpha. 
um, mm -hmm. in February, March. Uh, and then finally, if I can add on, this change in policies, and Emily um, Martin also mentioned. What I'm really concerned about for the fall is what we see is a lot of policies uh, starting to walk back some of those same strategies. That's Emily Martin, an associate professor of epidemiology at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. So the, the masking um, strategies, I think, is the biggest, is obviously going to be the biggest one. Yep. So you've got less protection and then you've got more transmissibility of the variant. The state doesn't track sports masking policies. As of Tuesday, 63% of public school students, not specific to athletes, were covered by an indoor mask policy. We didn't have testing every sport. Basketball was testing, I think, after spring break. Um, but now it's kind of a mixed bag and not every school is requiring masks and testing is not everywhere. And so some schools are walking back policies in a time when case rates are going up. Outdoor works because it sort of dilutes what's in the air and you've got a lot of airflow. But if you're having people that are right up in each other's faces, you're mm -hmm. going to lose that benefit of being outdoors. Yep. Because you still have one person inhaling what's being exhaled by the person that's right in front of them. And she mentioned that even if your district doesn't require it or if you're concerned about wearing a mask, maybe outdoors in competition, but she said you can still mask on the bench. You can still mask on the bus, right? And so if we're talking about when you're on the sideline or when you are gathering afterwards or when you're on the bus, you know, I think it doesn't need to be an on and off switch. She suggested that even if it's not a requirement, you can still, you know, find ways to encourage more mask use to kind of tamp down transmission. As far as health advice, what useful information should we have that out there in the mix? Well, you know, I think what you're showing here also is the impact this can have on family members mm -hmm. and on young children that aren't vaccinated. And so families are going to have to think about that balance between the risk of the activities their family is participating in and what kind of other measures they're going to take to protect the, the other people in their life. And so I, mean, I think it's reason to think about what strategies do you as a, as a parent want to be taking with your kid, whether your kid is wearing masks at practice, even if it's not required, or you're doing more frequent testing of your kid that's participating in the more high-risk exposure activities. So we're thinking about decisions made by families, which brings us back where we started. At game day, at Renaissance. So what did, what did the parents have to say about being back and dealing with the COVID protocols, the break and all that kind of stuff? One of the parents, Shana Hill was talking about how her son, who was on the JV football team, and she was watching him. The game was just starting then. And we know that there's been a couple weeks that you guys didn't get to play. How was your How was your son doing with all that? Oh, with the last year and not being able to play? Yeah, that's all I mean, it was a bad experience because he wasn't able to go to school either, so he, he struggled with that a bit being in the house. So he was definitely happy about um, getting back to playing football. So last year was his freshman year, this year is his sophomore year. So this is like his first year in high school. <laughs> so we're gonna get all the experience, the football, the homecoming and everything, so. And she said she was looking forward to her son having a normal high school experience, whatever that may be, right? So I'm excited. Let's go boys! 
they get the experience of high school as we know it to be. <laughs> so. Hopefully, right? So I know that they played um, Renaissance, the football program played the first week, and then they had to stop for a couple weeks, and then yeah. now they're back now. Were you guys worried um, as parents um, about? I was. I was um, heard that a few players had caught the COVID, and that was a worry for me. Um, I appreciate that the testing for all the students is bad. So, was that generally the consensus of what they were thinking um, about like how they were handling sports at the school? Overall, I think the tone was pretty positive. The parents that we did talk to um, didn't have really any complaints. So one thing I thought was interesting the coach said um, during the interview was he just kind of made reference that their goal is to keep the kids safe, right? But also he mentioned where they're going home to, right? Their environment at home. We're trying to protect the kids and, you know, protect everybody that we're playing against. And, you know, because it's bigger than just football. It's about going who you're going home to and the environment that you're in. We want to be safe and we want the kids to be safe and we want to just to get to some normality. So I asked Coach Thompson at Renaissance High School, like, you know, is this a lot of extra work? And he's like, well, we just do it. I do it at my job. I do it at school and with these students, you know, we just follow the protocols and we move on. We focus on, you know, football and doing our best. And we just follow the guidelines. Thank you, Chrissy Tanner, for talking with me today. Yay. No problem. This episode was produced by me and Darcy Moran with help from Tad Davis. Anjanette Delgado and Marianne Struman are our executive producers, and Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. As always, thanks for listening, and you know what to do. Go ahead and subscribe, rate us, like us, and please share the podcast. We appreciate all of that. So that's it. See you next week.